welcome to the Nerd Party. Maximum warp. Punch it. Punch it. Punch it, Bishop! Punch it. Punch that shit! Let's punch it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Punch It! Writing in Star Trek. I'm one of your hosts, Charlene Schmidt, and the other guy hosting this show is... Tristan Riddell. Tristan, I want to know something from you. Please, please. I am I am an open book with you. <laughs> this is absolutely true. We've been doing this how long? It feels like seven years. It's not a deep probing question or anything like that, but... I've not talked to you for a little while now about Discovery, and I want to know, how are you enjoying, or not, this second <laughs> season? The sec- we've, we've had four episodes so far at the time of this recording, and we won't spoil anything for you guys, but we've had, we've had four episodes, and I've really liked half of them. And half. I've been okay with one of them, and I've disliked actively another one. Okay. And so with all of that, like I'd say like, yeah, I, I think with all of that combined, I'm just kind of like, yeah, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying Star Trek Discovery because I feel like the first episode created such goodwill with me. Like I was just like, uh-huh. oh my God, that first episode, that was amazing. Like I was, I just couldn't <laughs> handle it. It was so awesome. Yes. Uh, I'm with you there. And yeah. And then it kind of made me, it, it made me really think about like, okay, why do I not really dig on episodes two and four is it because of the episodic nature is it something else are they trying to pack too much into one episode and it just created some great conversation online on like where you've been what you think and everything like that how about you what have you how do you feel about season two so far well uh yeah episode one uh, and you can hear my thoughts in more detail on the episode i did with seti alpha three by going to the nerdpetty.com that's right and i loved it that definitely gave me some goodwill, as you put it, toward Discovery. Like, yes, this is a little bit of a, you know, they kind of t- took the suggestions, the feedback that they got after the first season and said, okay, this is how we're going to make it better. And I liked every little ounce of what they did, the changes that they have made. It feels like a slightly different show. And one thing I really love, just generally speaking about Discovery, is this crew. The people who portray these characters, they really seem to have gelled and the characters themselves are gelling in in at least as far as my opinion goes and I'm having a good time watching them. Now, that said, I'm not taking Discovery that seriously. Like when I watched Voyager, I would look at every little technicality like, "Oh, they screwed up the can and this isn't right." And that sort of a thing. You know what? I'm not doing that anymore. You know what? I don't care. I want to be just a regular fan. I want to just go on the ride. I want to just enjoy myself, sit back and watch a really good show. And visually, this show is blowing me away. It is so beautiful. And I'm just enjoying it. Now, as far as the episodes go themselves, one, awesome. And then I really kind of liked four. See, that's so interesting to me. And I mean (laughs) that. And I'm not being sarcastic. I'm not trying to be weird. Because listeners, hopefully you know me well enough to to realize that when I say that, I mean it. But I actively disliked episode four. I didn't think it was well made. I didn't think it was well put together. 
I thought the acting was over the top. I felt like they tried to put 90 minutes worth of material into 50. Mm. And when I finished, when the credits rolled, both my wife and I were just kind of like, oof, that wasn't very good. Oh, well, we'll see what happens next week. And that's how (laughs) seriously we took it. That's just kind of the thing, right? It's like, even if you don't necessarily like an episode, you're just thinking, okay, well, there's next week now. That's okay. Exactly. I'm not going to live and die by this. And it was... It was fascinating to me, and I when I went online, I don't know why I didn't expect this, because I should have, but people were just like ripping their clothes off, saying this was the best thing that Star Trek has ever made, and I'm like, is it? Like, <laughs> really? You know, yeah. and I just, I, 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 with, with episode two, the, the one that dealt with religion on the, on the planet and the prime directive and everything like that, uh-huh. like that one, I was just kind of okay with, like, but I could totally get if that's your bag. If people loved it, I was just like, cool. All right. Hey, different strokes, different folks and everything like that. Uh-huh. But with episode four, I genuinely was surprised that people loved it so much. But I also think if I could be a little honest here, Please. I feel like we're, a little scared as Star Trek fans, as Star Trek Discovery fans, to admit that anything's wrong in an episode or doesn't live up to par mm. because we don't want to be lumped in with the STD haters. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, because this show, I mean, honestly, though, Star Trek has always been like this where you either love, 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 love it and you have to be all positive and you can't have an honest criticism of the show or you're just going to actively hate on it because you want to hate on it. Star Trek has always done this. I remember the internet boards of the 90s and the way people bashed the crap out of Voyager. Oh, good God. Yeah. Was oh, it a yeah. perfect show? Yeah. Heck no. Neither was Enterprise. But you know what? There was also a lot to love. And a lot of times those shows did not get the love that they deserved. And I feel like it's just happening all over again with Discovery only now we have much more exposure of way more saturation of opinions because of social media. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's really gotten into this polarization. Well, just that and our culture where you have to take sides. And it's so stupid, you guys. So stop it. <laughs> like, as, as I talked about online, like if you follow me on Twitter, I, I talked about how it's okay to not like something. It's okay to be critical of something and still enjoy the show. You know, like yeah. not every single, I think the the example I made was like not every single episode has to be the Citizen Kane of Star Trek in order right. to enjoy it. Yeah, and I can see your point of view where you're thinking the reaction to episode four was much like that because I did see a lot of this might be the best episode of Star Trek, period. If that's your opinion, okay, that's fine. Um, my My personal opinion is I really did enjoy it. I appreciated the fact that they really did play with my emotions. Like, I really did Mm -hmm. think it was possible that they were going to go there. And if you've seen the episode, you know what I meant. Now, is it the very best thing in the world? Uh, I don't know (laughs) about that. I do agree with your point that if it were a little longer, if they could have taken just a little more time to play even more with our emotions, maybe the impact would have been a little more even. Because you're dealing with some heavy topics here. And that's the thing. This is just one man's opinion. And it's okay for me to have that opinion and share it in a respectful way online and not feel like I'm going to get attacked. I literally had people say that I was overly nitpicking and I must have been high (laughs) while watching the episode. Well, I know you and I know how often you get high. 
<laughs> and that's that's the thing though is that like I I didn't I wasn't even all I said was just like oof that was that was that was a rough one that that that's pretty much all I said online and then these like people just like came at me and I was so confused I was like it's like it's okay to be critical we we live yeah. in a world of like we used to have a world of online debate and criticism and sharing of opinions and I feel like I just don't want the Star Trek fandom to of positivity to go to become toxic just on the opposite side of the spectrum of the negative people because the people yeah. who are 100% dislike it and hate it but and still and just grope about uh, groan about it um 24-7? Yeah, no, I don't want to be one of those people. But I also don't want to be one of those people who is just like, no, every single new episode of Star Trek is the best thing ever. And if you don't agree, then you're stupid and you're wrong and you're not a real Trek fan. There is a beautiful valley in the middle between perfect <laughs> and garbage. And we right. need to exist there. We seem to have lost our ability just as a society, as an internet culture, to have constructive conversations anymore. It's devolved and it's disgusting. And I love the fact that you're pointing out that this these are just opposite ends of the same toxic mentality. Absolutely. And I think a lot of people don't see that. Liking something does not mean you're being positive. Right. It's not a one-to-one. -one. Just because you like something doesn't mean that you're in the positive and you're in the right. It means you like something. That's all it means. Right. And what you like is not perfect. Right. And opinion is also not gospel. You know, everybody no, thinks they're not. so right. And if you disagree, well, then you're wrong. Well, yeah. no. Hello, Idik. We all see things a little differently. So I appreciate the fact that you didn't necessarily see the same things that I did in that episode. But at the same time, I can see where you're coming from. It's called empathy. And if you should have gotten anything <laughs> out of episode four, it was that. Okay. And we... This like we won't we won't go on and on about this. We <laughs> we, we, need to we stop. just wanted to get this we wanted to get this off of our chests. We because had to. I'm not speaking to the haters. I don't care about them. Their opinions will never change. They'll never listen to reason. <laughs> I'm talking to my friends. I'm talking to my followers and the people who I follow online. Don't be toxic. Accept differing opinions if you don't have to agree with them, but you can accept them and move on. And don't attack people just because. They have a different idea than you are that, that than you do, as long as they're being respectful. Well, that's just it. I think a lot of people don't understand that there's a difference between bashing and being respectful in disagreement. Yeah, because people just Absolutely. immediately take things way too personally. So yeah, and you know what? If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. You can move on. Keep scrolling. Yeah, that's the thing. Like if you if you want to be if you want to have constructive criticism or true like film and television analysis. Put it up on board. Do it. That's, yeah. that's why we're here. That's why we follow each other. But if you just want to say, that episode sucked, it was garbage, and then walk away, it just might as well just not even say anything. Right. That does absolutely nothing. Okay. Today's topic is not about fandom or discovery. We're continuing where we left off last week. We're going to do another movie, and we do not have nearly enough time to do it. So we're going to do the very best we can. And we're going to continue our journey with the Voyager crew in the place of the events of Star Trek Into Darkness. Yes, this is a follow-up from last week where we did the Voyager crew in the storyline of the first Star Trek that came out in 2009. And just as a quick recap, um, 
basically all you really need to know is that the doctor is still the doctor because he's awesome. <laughs> and it's on the Voyager A. And um, it's uh, we have Admiral uh, Harry Kim instead of Pike. We have Morale Paris captaining the Voyager A. We have Naomi Wildman as the first officer. And uh, Ch- uh, Chakotay, Janeway, Tom and Balana are all dead. And Seven. We killed her off, Oh, too. and Seven. We killed off Seven, too. So th- it was just a massacre it last It was Death episode. Fest 2019. <laughs> it was crazy town. And so we definitely recommend that you go back and listen to that before you listen to this, even though we completely spoiled all the deaths. Uh, <laughs> but yes, with this one, so that's where we're going with. We're going to try to apply the, tar- the Star Trek Into Darkness template to what we developed last episode with using this new it was basically voyager the next generation is what it turned into yeah that's what we called it Uh uh-huh and uh we actually got a a a listener suggestion because what we did was we used the herogen as the bad guys as as a replace for the romulans and i kind of want to retroactively go back and use the vaudoir instead (laughs) that was such a good suggestion and i'm so sad that we did not think about that because they're the better fit absolutely and it was done by uh you should follow him on twitter captain revo r-e-v-o great guy great follower and he uh, follow on twitter great follow on twitter and uh he is really insightful has and not afraid to share his opinions and i was really happy that he came out and said hey i have an idea i would change one thing and it was so great and so i'm retroactively saying that's the vaudoir let's do that yeah so ignore all instances of erosion (laughs) do the find and replace and we're putting in vaudoir (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so with this one, it's the the voyages of the Voyager A, yes, and seven four six five six A, and Captain First Officer. I think we had a love interest in there without a name, uh, <laughs> vaguely, yeah. So in just as just as a quick recap with Into Darkness, which is a movie I did not enjoy um, the first time, second or third or fourth time I watched it, and. <laughs> And I take it that's all the times that you watched it. <laughs> I think I've only seen it four times, yeah. But the thing is, I keep going back to it because I'm just like, I want to visit these characters. I want to visit that world. Uh-huh. And I, I do find enjoyment from it, but it is it is very much my least favorite Star Trek film of all time. I don't know if it's my least favorite of all time, but it's my least favorite of the trilogy we have with this cast of characters. If I'm thinking of watching a Kelvinverse film, Star Trek 09, I love it. I've seen it a million times. I like Star Trek Beyond. It's a great story. So Me too. I do not revisit Into Darkness that much. And when I saw it in the fe- theater the first time, I was angry. Just, Me too. I was, I was furious. I almost walked out of the theater. I'm just like, how dare they do this? No, no, no. And then the second viewing, I turned a corner just a little bit and realized Grandpa Shar here, <laughs> Grandma Shar <laughs> needs to calm down a little bit and quit yelling at the kids to get off her lawn because this movie was not made for old fans like me. It's to bring in new blood, which the franchise desperately needed at this point. And I just need to settle down. It does not have yeah. to be my favorite because I am not the target audience, even though I think I am. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I like that perspective. And I, I kind of had the same thing where like upon second viewing, I was just like, okay, just calm down. Just try to enjoy it as much as you can. Right. Breathe. Um, okay. Now that said, so there's, there's flaws and we need to work with them. Yeah. That said, now as a recap, so in Star Trek Into Darkness, uh, Kirk is 
like breaks the time the prime directive hard. Oh yeah. And and so he gets demoted from captain down to first officer and then gets uh he's not going to be on the enterprise anymore and he gets he gets taken off and he's going to go to a different ship. And I I can't remember if Pike was going to take his place or not. I can't remember. Um but that might have been the case but then spoiler alert Pike dies. Pike dies. And uh, and then everything that <laughs> every possible thing that happened in the previous fifteen and twenty minutes is erased. <laughs> and, Don't uh, matter. And, and Kirk is the captain again of the Enterprise, and Khan is the one who assassinated like the top level captains along with Pike. And then he transports himself to Kronos, and then they have to chase after him. And so they take the Enterprise, they break through Klingon space, they you know have a fight on Kronos. Pick up Khan because he voluntary voluntarily goes along. They find out that all these, you know, these warheads that they have actually have Khan's people in it. There's Carol Marcus is there to be in her bikini, and then we <laughs> we continue to move on. And then it's uh, Khan gets off of the ship, and then we find out that there's uh, Admiral Marcus, who's really a bad guy with Section Thirty One. He creates a huge ship that's way too big, and. Um, <laughs> And then they have to get to that ship. Base, okay, base, base, oh man, I'm just, I'm getting bored just talking about They're it. all over uh, the freaking place. And really up to this point, not a whole lot of it makes sense. And so like they get, so like Kirk and 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 Khan, they work together and they go to the venture. I think that's what, that's what it's called, the venture? Is that wrong? Uh, the vengeance, the vengeance. Yeah, you're venture, close. Ven- venture is an old sh- shop that doesn't exist anymore. The vengeance. And, um. And so uh, Khan kills Marcus, takes over the ship, goes and tries to destroy um, San Francisco because that's what you do. Sure, why and, not? Um, he, and then it's up to uh, Kirk to go and stop him. But there's a, there's a problem in the engine room. They have a reverse Wrath of Khan where Spike has to go and track Khan down on, um, on, in San Francisco after uh, the vengeance crashes. And the yes. Enterprise almost crashes, d- devastating towers and, and buildings and everything like that. Oh, yeah. And then he, the Kirk dies, quote unquote. Spike kills. <laughs> right. He, he, I, I call him Spike. That was weird. You did. Uh, yeah, Spock, you did. <laughs> I was kind of wondering. <laughs> Spock inca- incapacitates Khan. And Ooh, with the uh, help of then, Uhura. With the help of Uhura. And then uh, takes his super blood. And injects uh-huh. it into Kirk, thus making it possible for everyone to be immortal. And <laughs> Kirk is revived, and then he gets the Enterprise back. They rebuild San Francisco. And uh, is it San Francisco? It might be something yeah. else. No, it's San, San Francisco because they're uh, they're like what well, they're not at the Academy, but they're at Starfleet HQ where he's giving that go. speech right, about right, what right. Starfleet then, is. Uh, Hashtag We Are Starfleet. And then they put uh, Khan back in frozen stasis, and that's the end of the movie. Right. So, you know, the reason why I think this movie doesn't have kind of like the power, the rewatch value that the other movies have is none of this really needed to happen. And there's absolutely no bridging between the last movie and then the movie that follows. No, it was. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. It's jet setting from location to location and which is not necessarily a bad thing, but it was just it, it felt like a video game to me. Where it was just like, okay, we got to get to this planet to pick up this thing. Then we go to this planet to pick up this thing. And that was, uh, you know, to be fair, that's kind of how Star Trek 09 was too. 
A um, little bit, but this was a lot more direct in that approach. But we're now 20 minutes into the episode and we have yet <laughs> we, to start. <laughs> you know, this might end up being a two-parter. It. Yeah. Which I'm okay so, with. So how do we graft? How do we graft our Voyager A next generation business onto Into Darkness? All right. So we well, got to keep. Yeah. Let's address the big question, the elephant in the room. Do we or do we not want this movie to be about somebody allegedly named Khan? I don't think it, it can't be Khan. I don't want it to be Khan because I want it to be. Because if we do this in the prime universe, which it is, according yeah. to our timeline, Khan's dead. You're right. Yeah. We, so then technically, yeah, we absolutely can't because they're no longer here. And I think it would be cheap to say, oh, here's this faction of his followers that managed to sneak away and here they are. And so then we just say that the leader is John Harrison. No, I don't want to do that. Barf. No. So Khan is so, no. So no Khan, but it needs to be someone. It needs to be a big baddie. And But the thing is, though, is that in in 09 it wasn't somebody from Kirk's past but actually Spock's future yes but we made it someone from Harry Kim's past the Vaudoir now mhm to come back and screw them over but we need to do that again with into darkness if we follow yeah. that template because it's somebody from the past so do we huh. maybe what if we flip flop it hmm it's because because we did the big baddie from the past in 09 instead of the future, what if in Star Trek Into Darkness Voyager Edition, we do it from, maybe it's somebody from the 29th century. Maybe Ooh. Captain, um, what's Braxton? his name? Braxton comes back oh. to screw things up. Oh, crap. Okay. I like where this is going. Let's roll with this and see what comes out. So Braxton has always had a massive migraine when it comes to dealing with Voyager and <laughs> it's mm -hmm. screwing with time. So what is he here to do this time? Is it is it tired though, you know, to use well, Braxton? You know, I as I was just speaking, I was thinking in the back of my mind, well, how original is this idea? What can he do that hasn't been done? I, th I think that's the thing is because like he was already arrested by the time cops and he was remerged and everything like that. He was put in temporal prison. So hmm. it'd be really difficult to bring him back out. But like, do we, do we want to use Anorax instead? Do we, do we need a new face altogether? Hmm. Yeah. I'm kind of 50, 50 on that at this point. Now, Anorax as a quote unquote villain would make a little bit of sense. It's a face that we've seen before. We know that he's capable of doing horrible things for what he feels are the right reasons. That makes him a good villain. But then, like, if you have somebody new, we do run the risk, and the Kelvinverse films did this a lot, of having a two-dimensional villain where they're just out for vengeance. Yeah. I want If we do something like Anorax or Braxton or somebody else or somebody completely new, somebody that we don't know about or haven't thought about, I'd want to do it in a way where they come from the future, but they're not able to time travel past that. They're just like, okay, now that I got here, I'm here. Kind of like Terminator, where it's just like, I'm here now, I'm not gonna be able to go back. It's a one-way trip because I don't wanna create, I don't wanna do multiple timelines here. I don't wanna yeah, create guess, a year of hell again, part three, <laughs> you know? That gets a little complicated. 
what if whoever this villain is gets that one shot to do whatever it is they're doing, like, quote unquote, fix the timeline. And then if that happens, everything changes, right? And then they end up where they're supposed to be, a little bit of back to the future in a way. Hmm. So, ooh, okay. So branching on that, what if, ooh, wait, this might be too weird. This might be too weird. You're going to say no to this. Oh, I Um, don't know. Try me. What if we found a way to get um, Janeway back in this? <laughs> oh, 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 wait. Okay, so, finish your thought, but I just had an idea. Let, let me finish my thought. It's probably yours is probably better than mine. Oh, I don't know. But it's it is a it's an Admiral Janeway, or at least an older Janeway from the future, who miscalculates and tries to go back in time to prevent. Voyager from ever going to uh, the Delta Quadrant, and uh-huh. s- instead she, she's just like crap. Like I totally miscalculated. <laughs> I am at the point where the Voyager A is launched, and this is like maybe this is an alter alternate universe Janeway where things did not go well. You know yes, where that's like what I'm thinking. Yes, yes, yes. So we th- I think we have to because things have to be so bad where she wants to correct it. Keep going. And so basically, we might be retreading Endgame too much here. But Maybe. I have yeah. a twist, though. What okay, if we it. do have Captain Braxton and he's trying to go after this Janeway to correct things? I mean, he's, once again, he's trying to make things right and deal with this freaking loose cannon that is Catherine Janeway, once again, effing with time and not doing it for the right reasons. And he's just like, no, oh, again, are you kidding? So in a way, we almost have like, I don't want to say Janeway's a villain, but she kind of is because she screwed up. And then here's Braxton trying to correct things. But then we're getting into time things here and uh, it's giving yeah. me a headache. And uh, what is I the feel like that might be here? too much to bring in Braxton and future Janeway. And I feel dirty bringing... And now that I said it, I, I feel it feels weird because we're retreading on Endgame. Yeah. But in our universe, did Endgame... Ha- I think, yeah, it did. Endgame, Endgame did happen because yeah. we're in the prime timeline. It did. So what if what if it wasn't Janeway? What if it was somebody else? Like, what if it was... Mm. Ah, damn it. What, what, I just, Who would it be? I love this idea so much, but what would you I think? I know, because really, if we're going to have somebody come back, Janeway is the logical choice. The other option I thought of was Owen Paris because Morale is his granddaughter. Ooh, okay. Well, okay, so what if we what if we put Owen Paris Okay, let's go in a different direction here. Okay. What if Owen like let's let's completely scrap this. Okay. Owen Paris is the uh is the new um Admiral Marcus. Okay. Oh, actually no. Ad- Owen Owen Paris would be too old, I think. I was right? just thinking, wouldn't he be retired? He's got to be in his hundreds at this point. Oh, wait, wait, wait. We do know. We do know that people in their hundreds still serve. And like, yeah. if we want to go, if we want to go to the, I know this is a novel, but there is a Deep Space Nine novel where a first officer is 100 years old and he's totally fit. And he's not a Vulcan. Correct? And he's not a Vulcan. He's a human. He's a human. Hmm. Okay. Well, we could just say that Owen Paris is so attached to his work, he has no idea what to do with his life outside of it. So he, he's like the most decorated admiral in Starfleet at that point so like let's let's not say he's head of starfleet security let's not say he's head of the academy or anything like that he's just the most decorated admiral in history 
and he's he it he adv- he's still in service technically, uh-huh. but he's just an advisor. And oh, okay, but like just to just to kind of give some credence to it, and we make him the Admiral Marcus stand-in where he maybe he's screwing around like maybe he tries to revitalize like Khan's program but yet does it in a way where um maybe we could get Bashir in here or something where he maybe he like he how does what's the word I'm looking for he radicalizes Bashir and maybe or utilizes him as a template because he's genetically engineered uh-huh because he he wants to create a, a a section of thirty a section thirty one amped up with super soldiers and like supreme like people who can calculate like people who have the intelligence of Khan and Bashir but he wants it for all of his operatives to be that way. Oh, I like it. Creating this kind of elitist part of section thirty one, which violates so many boundaries. So he's got to be doing it in secret. Right, and it's illegal. Yeah. Oh, Owen, shame on you. You should know better. So, like, we killed half of our Voyager staff, and we then did. we're making Owen Paris evil. But wow. that creates a that creates the connection between Morale and Owen because yes. they're blood. Yes, and it it adds drama to it. So I think it's, I, mean, I think it's smart. yeah. I'm thinking of the scene where Owen Paris is going to be saying to Morale, "Who's going to save us from the next big enemy the Federation faces? You." <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it, it's yeah, it's exactly it's something like that where. It's, and I know people aren't going to like, like, do we keep the radicalized Bashir thing? You know what I would love is it's not Bashir, but it's a clone of Bashir. So then we can get a cameo with Alexander Siddig. Okay. All right. But playing a different character. It's not Julian Bashir, but it looks like him. Okay. I like that. Or like, okay, so he clones Bashir, radicalizes him, and then they try to create a new... Khan Noonien Singh click right. with, with um, genetically now, engineered individuals. What is this clone's name? Is it John Harrison? Sure, why not? <laughs> I kind of want to just as a jab to everybody. I, yeah, let's, okay, well, so I think it can, it can go the same way where like all of this stuff goes down where, you know, like, uh, and so in this, uh, in this movie, Harry Kim would die. Well, that um, bites. I mean, we were somebody on Twitter mentioned. I thought you were going to kill off Harry, and I said, "Well, <laughs> I mean, we abused him so much. We almost went there, but we didn't. We considered it. So now we're actually going to do it. <clears throat> God, we're awful." <laughs> so, so, so what I say in our story, we kind of get rid of that opening. I think we keep that opening, but yet do it in a way where they don't um, violate the Prime Directive. Ooh, and uh, really? It's just, okay. I say like it's a successful mission. It's just like open it like a James Bond movie where you just have this mini adventure at the beginning and it's awesome. It's cool. And we reconnect with the crew. But then as soon as it's over, they get called back to Earth. And and so they get called back to Earth and it's Morale and um, Wildman. And they just they go to the meeting just like every other captain and first officer in Uh the movie. And so instead of the whole demotion thing that doesn't even make sense and that they reversed immediately, let's not include that demotion. Okay. Um, maybe we can find a way to tie it back into Section 31. Like maybe maybe that opening adventure, like maybe that planet, maybe it was the volcano was going to go 
Nova, not Nova, but, you know, like maybe it was going to go global because Section 31 needed it destroyed for some reason. And then that can tie in to something later in the later into the plot. So that way it's not mm. just a one off mission. OK, so then by preventing the explosion, does morale kind of misstep? And then maybe she gets dressed down a little bit where you're kind of putting your fingers into pies that we don't need you playing in. Could you please like follow direct orders? And I think actually it would still be. It would still be um, a violation. I, I still think them intervening and stopping the volcano is still a violation of the Prime Directive. I agree. Um, I like so wholeheartedly. Then, we, can we, we just be that, that straightforward? I think we can. I think instead of them showing the ship to the people, it's it's a violation of saving, and it's a violation of um, of doing that. And then, like maybe she doesn't understand why she's being dressed down so hard. Because yeah. she's just like, I saved all these lives. I didn't. They didn't see me. They didn't know what happened. And then, you know, like Harry Kim's like, who the hell are we to determine the evolution of these people on this planet? <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Uh-huh. And, and he says, he's like, so a demotion does not happen, but a dressing down does. I like and, it. And maybe he says something like, is like, and I'm getting reports from Top Brass saying that that, that planet was under observation. And they're like, under observation for what? They're like, that's above my pay grade, something like that. Oh, I like it. Just plant the seed and yeah. don't, yeah, that's got to come out later. Okay, and that so, makes you know, this yeah. part of things so much better already. And then they go to the meeting and then we don't see the face, but somebody assassinates everybody, assassinates Kim yeah, and all those other people. Down. Yep. And then um, I don't want them to go to Kronos. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want, I don't want to do the whole sub, the, the, the not tra- the trans warp beaming. I don't want to do the trans warp beaming thing. Right, that makes no sense. Also, in this universe, going to Kronos may not make sense either. No, so I think it needs to be somebody else. Like he, I think he just needs to go to a hideout, right? Like it doesn't necessarily need to be the Klingon no. Empire or like one of our enemies or something. No, it can just be some shady planet. I don't know, something we've never seen before. What if we um, just for the heck of it? What if it? He goes to Cardassia just so we can see that again. Oh, okay. Well, that's shady. It's just shady hide, honestly just to hide out. Like maybe he has a base of operations there, but we do not know who it is until we get there. Like the audience does not see the person's face. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like it just being sort of a, you know, kind of a shadowy figure where we only get the mystique for a while. We just get glimpses here and there and everything like that, and then so they track him down somehow. You know, like maybe uh-huh. they they track his ship or they track him. Yeah, Doesn't warp matter. trail something. Doesn't somebody matter. can tech the tech who knows a whole of a lot more about those things than we do. And so they get to Cardassia, and things are like there is a lot of red tape to actually get into Cardassian space. Yeah, like everything that happened, like with with the 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 war being over, they're still rebuilding because honestly, it's going to take decades for them to rebuild Cardassia. It would be really and, cool to see that in process. Where are they at at this point in the timeline? And what are they doing? How helpful are they? Do they want to be helpful? Do they not want to be helpful? Yeah. And and so they go and they track them down into like maybe it's a, it's it's an area that hasn't been rebuilt yet. Okay. Yeah. So and, really just primitive looking in a way. Yeah. 
And so that's when we find out, like, he takes off his mask. We see that it's Alexander Siddig. We're just like, what is going on? Right. And we're going to be under the impression that this is Bashir. Right. So we get kind of like, kind of a false reveal and like, oh my God, it's Julie Bashir. No, it's not. But it's Alexander Siddig. Yay. And, and, and so with that, like, we got to what's what's the motivation going forward like why is he doing that like why is he why does why does he need to create a terrorist event and is it the same old same old like where oh like i need emergency powers like owen paris is just like i need to get back into the game and i'm the one saying that we need these extra protections but they won't give it to me until you know the brass is wiped out um and then so what's his motive what is what is Bashir? What is Clone Bashir's motivation to go back onto Voyager, and go and like go back to Earth? Like, why does he? Because in the original Into Darkness, it's because unbeknownst to everybody, all the warheads that they were carrying had the rest of his team. Do we continue that? I'm thinking that's certainly a possibility, but this opens up something that we have to discuss then, which is Scotty quits over that, over the fact mm-hmm. that they've got all these warheads. And there's some complication there. We do not know who the chief engineer is on the Voyager A right now. Is it a brand new character that we have no endearment to? Or is it a familiar face that we're bringing in for recognition's sake that so we have some, so we care? I think it's somebody, it's a plant from Owen Paris. Oh, so they're going to be a little more compliant. Right. And so that way he, like this, he or she tells morale like, yep, we're good to go. All these weapons that they gave us are totally legal, totally cool. Nobody's hiding inside them. Just please rubber stamp right here. <laughs> yeah. You know, that will eliminate one of my favorite scenes in Into Darkness, though, where Scotty's in the bar. <laughs> yes, I think, yeah, that was a fun scene. It's like, I called him Mr. Perfect Hair. You know, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I just love that. I mean, it's like two frat boys arguing over communicators. <laughs> Yeah, it's it was hilarious, but I think it's in our. There's no reason for it in our story. No, not so, if the chief engineer quit or doesn't quit. So I say, um, instead of Owen Paris uh, trying to kill Khan and trying to destroy that section of Cardassia, he's actually trying to give um, Clone Bashir his people back. Like those warheads will actually soft land. Oh, I, I kind of dig it. Okay. But then what is the problem here, aside from the whole illegality of this happening in the first place? Um, the pro- Well, I think it's because the, the, the onus of Into Darkness is uh, Paris, I'm, I'm sorry, of the original Into Darkness, uh, Marcus, Admiral Marcus, recruited Khan against his will and held his people hostage. I don't yeah. I think I don't think that's the I don't think that's the case here. I think what it is is that Owen clones Bashir and Bashir is a radical and was bred to do this. And so yeah, Owen's he, like the He has no like problem the only, with it. Yeah, like I think it like maybe there's some sort of diplomatic reason why only Voyager A can can take these warheads across the barrier. Or, or into Cardassian space. Maybe there's some political reason only one ship can cross at one time or something like that. Okay, and, yeah. and so that's the only way that they can deliver his people into Cardassian space. And, and so in the end, the reason why Bashir betrays Paris, like Khan betrayed 
Marcus is not because he was angry with him, but because it's kind of like a Sith Lord thing where he wants to take over. He's like, I don't need you anymore. It's true. You've made me so good that I can overtake mm-hmm. you. Right. And I, so I no then, longer need your oh, political connections or anything like that. I like it because then Owen, I hate to say it, he kind of gets a taste of his own medicine. He gets what he deserves. Absolutely. And it's a huge fall for because we all love Owen Paris. Right. And, and this is Morel's granddad, and she's going to watch him die. And she's going to now, find out that he did some not so great things. Absolutely. And that's going to be a huge toll. And so do we, there's got to be a, do, is there a reason why we chose Cardassia? Is there a reason why Section 31 chose Cardassia? Do they want to keep, maybe they want to keep Cardassia destabilized. Maybe that's Ooh. a big plot point. Oh, that's so good because they know that the Cardassians, once they're rebuilt, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with again. I mean, that's not going to stop them for that long. So if you keep things chaotic and unstable, it's going to slow them down at the very least. And that's the reason why. Oh, and, and that's so horrible. <laughs> that's not the Starfleet way. And maybe that's why Bashir goes on to Voyager because he realizes he's like, he's like, oh, wait, those warheads are on your ship? Uh, okay, uh, you can totally take me take me hostage because he, he thinks it's a waste of time to destabilize Cardassia. And so now yes. that he has his people, he's going to kill Owen Paris, take the vengeance, and then just wreak havoc throughout the galaxy. Right, yeah. He's not going to just stop at Cardassia. I mean, that's child's play to him. Right. He wants so, to destabilize Earth. Right. So then that's why we're going to Earth. Oh, yeah. Okay, now it's getting good. This works. I think this it works. It does. I think it works better than the original movie. <laughs> <laughs> and so, okay, so the final battle, we get towards the final battle, like Bashir and... I say that they actually revive. I, I say that the people in the... Uh, somehow... Somehow Bashir gets his people onto the vengeance and actually revives them. On the vengeance. And so that's still uh, happening? He, we have that's like, still happening. You know what? I would love to see what a massive warship of the 24th century, maybe the 25th, looks like. I think it looks completely different from Federation design. There's no outward yeah. nacelles. There's no saucer section. It's completely different. Yeah. Oh, and it looks dangerous. Like, you know. It just, yeah, it looks like, I, I want to say it like it looks something closer to the scimitar in Nemesis. You know, something just... Right, where you Maybe look I'm... at it and you want to crawl into a hole and die. Exactly. And so <laughs> somehow he gets off of uh, Voyager. He gets onto the Vengeance. The Voyager, and, uh, Voyager and, and Vengeance are going at it. They make their way to Earth. Things happen the way that they do. But... How do, what do we do? Like, I don't think we need to do the whole Wrath of Khan thing, though, where somebody dies in the engine room. Please, let's not. If anybody's so wondering, gonna... that's what made me so angry about the Into Darkness as a movie, because the line-by-line recreation of that scene, I'm sorry, if you're going to do that, you would better do it justice, and it did not. So I think w- this, this might be silly, but like, okay, so we can't have... Um, we can't have Morale or Wildman chase after Bashir because they would get owned. Like they yeah. would just die immediately. I think so. I mean, even being partially Klingon, uh, Morale has an edge, but it's not enough against a super soldier. So yeah. what is ultimately going to kill this Bashir clone? <laughs> what if this, this this is where I'm gonna I'm gonna say that like this might be stupid. This might be this might be this might Go be too much, but you know how in the um, 
in the uh, in the original Into Darkness, they contact Spock Prime and get his advice on Khan. Uh huh. What if they contact somebody else, and um, or uh-huh. ma- like maybe what if what if they contact the original Bashir? I was just thinking that. I love it. And then he's the one that takes down his own clone. Digging it. I'm I'm digging it. I want to see Siddig on Siddig, duking it out. But, but I think maybe okay, Wildman wait. and Moral are there. Like the three of them take them down. Okay, yeah. Maybe Moral and maybe even Wildman too. They've got phasers. They're trying to at least, you know, stun him into a little bit of oblivion and slow them down. What if Julian Bashir, it's not just him. It's also his super soldier friends. Because have we not woken up Bashir clones, uh, buddies? So are they just running rampant through San Francisco? We need them all taken down. I think what happens is is that they die in the crash. And clone Bashir is the only survivor. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of a little bit of a a con thing going on there. Where Khan's the very last to survive. And so or maybe he doesn't have a chance to wake them up just yet because that seems a little weird to wake them up and then kill them off immediately. So right. what if they're still – I think we keep them in stasis, and, but then they die in the crash. Okay. That works for me. And so Bashir clone is running around San Francisco trying to get away, and then we have real Bashir, which I guess that's that might be too much of a Das Ex Machina because he comes in at the last minute, you know? Well. I don't know how unrealistic that is. I think this is possibly the only way. What if they what if they try to like the moment that they what if the moment that they realize that it's a clone of Bashir, they try to contact and reach Bashir. So we we figure out from like the moment like we actually hear a line saying like this guy is still alive, still alive, right? Like let's find him and see what how the hell this happened. And so the yeah. entire movie, they're trying to find him and reach out to him. So that way, okay. when he does appear, it's not a Das Ex Machina, or at least not as too bad. Okay. I And I kind of like it where I'm envisioning a scene where they're kind of like doing a, you know, that face scan to try and figure out who this guy is. And then they, like the name Julian Bashir comes up. It can't be him, is it? And then that, maybe that's how they find out he's a clone. Right. Right. Yes. Yes. And then, then that's when Morale says, like, okay, let's figure out if this guy's still alive. Let's try to find him and talk Track to him. Track him down, talk to him. Yeah. Right. And maybe it just so happens he's in San Francisco. So convenient. <laughs> Super convenient. <laughs> or, or heck, maybe they, maybe they find him along the way. Like, maybe they pick mm. him up. And, like, oh. we have a scene. Ooh, like, we could just expand that. You know the scene where Khan is in the brig and, and uh, Kirk is confronting him, like, yelling at him? Yeah. What if the real Julian is there as well. Like we keep the kind of the dialogue the same way. We're like, Moral says like, you are a criminal. (laughs) (laughs) And the only reason you are alive is because I am allowing it. And Bashir is there. The real Bashir just like, oh my God. And so Bashir gets to- He's got to be a little weirded out that he has a clone at first. Yes, yes. And so that way he's included in the story early on and not a Dos Ex Machina, but he's a side character. He's not the main focus. Okay. Now, do we want to determine how we bring him on because we're really we're just about out of time for today. I think just to stop along the way, like he like on their way back to Earth, they're just like, "Oh, he's doing research at such and such outpost or something okay, like that." Okay. Fair enough. It's close by. They swing by. 
pick him up and talk to him, maybe consult the- with him on how do you take down somebody who's been genetically manipulated. And so then maybe there's, I don't know, maybe there's some sort of Achilles heel that they can work with. That's just, uh, you know, the one edge that they have something. I don't know. I think the doctor, the holographic doctor is the one who says, oh, I actually know this guy. Um, oh, yeah. He's a doctor. Hey. He's he's. He's a medical doctor, and Dr. Zimmerman actually worked with him a while yeah. back. Yeah, okay, that's a great bridge. Perfect. Okay, that's done. Fantastic. Yeah. And then I think the rest of the movie kind of plays out, except the Voyager A does not nearly die and what have yeah. you. Like, I, I think we can just decimate San Francisco, and that'll be enough. I think, well, I mean, like, I, th- I think it can take a lot of damage. I mean, it can, it can, it can be ripped, uh, I think it'd be ripped pretty hard. Well, it's going to be pummeled. Still, yeah, it's, it's going to be in a serious firefight, but... Yeah. And maybe we... Do we see a refit at the very end? Just a very slight modification? Like, I feel like that's a step too far. I think that might be a step too far. I think it, it's it's not so damaged that it needs a refit, but it's damaged enough that they're in space dock, space dock for a while. Okay, cool. Cool. Now, does Morale give a big speech at the end? I think so, because I think it's it shows that... Maybe she says something like, Section 31 has been around um, too long. We've, we've been ignoring it too long. The, like, uh, the old brass is gone. Owen Paris is gone. My own grandfather is gone. Now is the time not only to rebuild our cities, but also rebuild our government. And Well, Starfleet. And Starfleet, yeah. Sim, yeah. yeah. That kind of I thing. Like, yeah. yeah, I kind of like that approach where, you know, I think even the people with well-intentioned ideas it's gone awry and it's time to just let this go it's not what starfleet really needs to be so that can be her speech and voyager a is rebuilt it looks beautiful and off they go to the next adventure the movie's done there you go Okay. okay wow okay i'm surprised we did this in one episode i was really thinking it would be two all right, folks, thank you so much for listening, and we hope that you listened to last week as well. Same as last week, we want to know what you think about this episode. What did you uh, think about our structure? Were, did we, were we slaves to the structure too much? Were we <laughs> too free-wielding with it? Um, please let us know if you would change anything or what you like or what you don't like. Uh, you can find us at thenerdpotty.com slash contact. Select punch it from the drop-down menu, fill out the form. It'll send us an email. We've gotten a lot of emails from ev- from everyone, so we really do appreciate. We read every single one. We don't get to respond to every single one. Uh, but if you also want to find us on social media, you can do that by going to thenerdpotty.com or on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can find me personally on Twitter at the Insane Robin. And you can find me at Oh the Profanity. Next week, do you want to do Beyond? We might as well. I mean, we're two for three here. Let's make it a complete thing. Let's do it. Let's create our Voyager in the Next Generation trilogy. And next week, we are hardcore going to punch it. Ready for warp, sir. Let's punch it. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.